I'm Andy. If you don't know who I am, uh, you should by now, but if you don't, because you're a visitor, I'm Andy, one of the elders at Christ First Church, so great to have you with us. Um, so, uh, Aaron set this up so well last week, this, this series we're going into. So today we're starting a new series, a campaign which lasts for a series of weeks and we do it in small groups as well uh, as part of the whole study uh, called One True God. And so we're going to be looking at uh, today a God who is infinite and incomprehensible. So easy task, Andy. Explain what cannot be explained. So thank you, Aaron, for lining me up for this one. Um, But the important thing to note before I do any of this, today is just a start. There will be many things that we won't get to cover in in the half an hour ahead. This is just a start of a series we're going to get into. So let me make a start by reading to you from Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You, his servants, praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised. I think that's pretty clear. Praise him, okay? But both now and forevermore, from the rising of the sun um, to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? That gets me excited. Our God stoops down to look upon the heavens and the earth. So I'm going to jump right in with a quote from a guy called A.W. Tozer. You're going to hear from him many times in the coming weeks. Um, He's a very well-known, respected Christian writer, a fearless preacher. Um, And one of his most famous works is this book called The Attributes of God. Uh, That's this book here, which I've started to read and is is challenging and excellent. Um, So keep that psalm that's still on the screen now in mind. Just just keep that in mind. Um, And I'm going to read from the end of the first chapter of Tozer's book to kind of tee us up, as it were. This is what he asks. Are you contented with nominal, that's like naming, only in name, Christianity? If you are, I have nothing for you. Are you contented with popular Christianity, and this was written a while ago, but it's still very true today, that runs on the authority and popularity of big shots or personalities? If you are, I have nothing for you. Are you content with elementary Christianity? If you are, All I have to say for you is to exhort you earnestly to press on towards perfection. But if you are not satisfied with nominal Christianity, popular Christianity, or the first beginnings of things, and want to know the triune God for yourself, read on. I want to add to Tozer's list. Are you content with your walk right now? Do you know enough of God? And therefore are free from troubling questions and anxiety in this season. It's good to have questions, but questions where you're troubled by them because you cannot get an answer. Do you desire more joy, more freedom, more passion for, from God and with God? A greater passion for worship. If you do, then read on with us into this series. I've been a Christian for, for 30 years I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I came to faith in my early 20s. So now you know how old I am. Um, this is my Bible. It is worn out. It is, I don't want to get rid of it because I love the fact it is worn out. It is worn out. I've been to more conferences, more training, more theological study than you can imagine and I can count. 
And yet I know I still get frustrated with myself at times. I can find the journey with the Father can get laboured. I can find my prayer life can lack power. My worship time can lack passion. And somewhere in that, there are seasons when I can feel very disconnected. Uh, A complacency creeps in. I confess to being lazy at times about my relationship with the Father. You're going to hear Tozer's name. You're going to hear a guy called Pink several times. You're going to hear mention of Jen Wilkins, a book we would highly recommend if you want something that sort of boils this stuff down. Not too, too thin, but boils it down. Sorry, wrong place to hold it up. None Like Him, a great book by, by Jen Wilkins. It's very much based on Tozer and Pink and others. But you'll hear them help us to elevate God up elevate him up and and i pray through through this series you're going to find them and us trying to help us all refresh reveal and restore god to his rightful place because as this this will show as this preach will hopefully show today and again it's only a short window into what i need to cover god is incomprehensible infinite so prepare to have your mind stretched Uh, Aaron said this last week, through this series, because that's the whole point. Our minds need to be stretched because God will stretch our imagination of who he is. Let me share with you a hymn uh, or a poem. Not sure if it was a poem, became a hymn, but certainly um, some excellent word from from, uh, verses by a guy called Frederick Lehman. I read this out in church about a year or so ago, and it was featured in one of these books. It reminded me what a a great uh, message this is, and it's just uh, about God's love. So one attribute of God, and he says this, and I think it's so beautifully put. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. I think that is a wonderful sort of description of how much Just one attribute of God, his love, how much he loves us, that we couldn't even write it on the sky if the sky was a parchment. That's wonderful. All right. Kids, if you're still with us, and hopefully you enjoyed your time at 10.15 this morning, but but let's go with the kids. Let's ask you a question. Kids, finish this phrase. To infinity. Now, I'm sure many a parent joined in as well, even in your head, and went, and beyond, didn't you? To infinity and beyond buzz light years catchphrase now here's a challenge for the parents who are with those children even if they didn't shout it out you know they know it turn to that child and everyone else don't check out now imagine you're doing the same thing you're in the same position as these poor parents and now explain to that child what that actually means go on explain to infinity and beyond I know you're not going to do it <laughs> if you're doing it well done you but if you're turning to going right okay so son daughter it's like infinity never ends it goes on forever and they go okay dad or mom uh how'd you go beyond infinity and and your response would be what eat your breakfast and be quiet yeah you 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 can't so that phrase sits there is it to infinity and beyond infinity alone is impossible to grasp never mind what is beyond it if it's beyond anything it's beyond our comprehension um no pun intended but but that something has no end 
that alone kind of causes us to scrunch up our eyes and go, no end. Blows our minds, fries our chips. So in Tozer's book, again, let me quote Tozer. He speaks of this. He says this, God is infinite. This is the hardest thing to grasp. In fact, I think it says it's the hardest thing I will ask you to grasp in his book. You cannot understand what infinite means, but don't let it bother you. I don't understand it, and I'm trying to explain it. This is Tozer. Infinite means nobody can grasp it. Jen Wilkins, in her book, None Like Him, says, I am a feeble scribe working with scant ink and a very small scroll, but I want to do my part in this ongoing effort to describe the indescribable. We can. We, why do we struggle, though? Why do we struggle to grasp this? I, I think we struggle to, to grasp or comprehend anything we cannot contain, anything we cannot measure. Um, we're obsessed with measurement. It dominates our thinking. This is a picture of uh, my daughter, Jessica, when she was born. There she is. So um, I think we're still in the hospital at that point. She's laying on my, on my chest. Now, parents will spot something here. She's a chunky girl, okay? Um, what was the standard question everyone asked after they said, is mother and baby well? The next question out of their mouth was what? How much does she weigh? How much do they weigh? That is the, the standard default question. Just so you know, in parents, uh, parents uh, just so you know, in, in this case, um, 10 pounds, 10 ounces, 10 pounds, 10 ounces. There are some wincing ladies on this call right now, okay? 10 pounds, 10. She was, I said, she often, often says she came out fully clothed wearing a watch. She was a big baby. And, um, but the first thing we ask at the point of new life is, is often a measurement-based question. How much does she, he or she weigh? How long are they? How tall? We go straight into measurement. We start to measure. We start to gauge. We rationalize things. We become comfortable by measuring and then comparing. So when, when you know, seven pounds, whatever, four ounces is probably the average medium, and we say 10, 10, people are like, whoa, because we're comparing, aren't we? We're measuring and we're comparing. Measurement is a gauge for us. It's a, it's a signal that we're trying to comprehend something and understand it by asking questions of measurement. Um, we measure the little things like our body weight, which frankly we do too much and we'll probably do forever in this life, weigh ourselves regularly. I'm in the middle of a fitness kind of thing at the moment with Ben and, uh, and, and, and I find myself weighing my, myself uh, far more often. Um, but we also measure, weigh the huge things. We, we know what the earth weighs, in case you're wondering what that is. I'm not going to read out this number, but it's that on the screen. That is how much the earth apparently weighs. I don't know how the scales work, but they've worked it out. That's how much the earth ways. So we go from the little things to the biggest things that we can think of and we try and measure them. We measure the temperature in Watford but we also know how hot the core of the sun apparently is. 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. Okay so we're, we're hoping for like 21 today on our whatever system we're measuring by but on Fahrenheit you go to this 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. We measure the height of our kids, the heights of ourselves. We talk about my son all the time because he's six foot nine. And people go, whoa, he's six foot nine. Yes, the moment they meet him, they go, how tall is he? Measurement is important. But we also measure the things that are just seemingly so big. The, so how wide is the sun? The sun is 1.29 million kilometers wide. 1.29 million kilometers wide. That's the sun. You could fit 109 Earths around the diameter of the sun. 
It's that big. Let's stay here for a minute because I find this stuff helpful for me to start to think about God. So I'm going to do one more thing. This is a star on the screen. I think they pronounce it Jui Scutty um, or Ui Scutty. I've heard a couple of um, explanations. It's nothing wrong with your computer. If you're watching this on a phone, you're really going to struggle. That little dot that looks like a pixel on the left, if you can see it at all, is our sun compared to the largest discovered sun, that one on the right, or the left, depending on where you're looking at, but you know what I mean. 1.18883 billion kilometers wide. 1.8883 billion kilometers wide. I bet a wow is forming in your mind, if not on your mouth right now. You're like, whoa. That's how big that is. And there's probably bigger out there. This is just what we've discovered compared to our own sun that we thought was big. It's hard to wrap your head around it, eh? It is. It's hard to wrap your head around it. Why do I even bring this stuff up? Why have we gone on this little astrological journey? I'll come back to it at the end, but my favorite psalm, anyone who knows me knows my favorite psalm, and Peter Wiles and me share this one definitely, is Psalm 8. The line that says about, I look to the heavens, the work of your fingers. Who is man that you are mindful of him? The work of your fingers in heaven above. God is God over all. If we are blown away by the thought of the size of UI Scutty there, Stop and wonder at the incomprehensible immensity of he who created it and rolled it like a marble into the galaxy from his fingers, from his fingers, like a marble, he rolls it into the galaxies and the heavens above. God is God overall. And that's just one star we're talking about. He's incomprehensible and immeasurable. This is not a trivial astro astrological, astronomical, whatever it is, I always get those two mixed up, uh, journey, a lesson. This is critical to the journey of the Christian, especially one struggling to worship or take advantage of the prayer or the ability to grow. A.W. Pink again says this, oh, here's the first time you've heard from him actually, A.W. Pink from his book, also called Attributes of God, says this, the God, notice there's a small g there, of this 20th century, God is no, God no, this 20th century, God no more resembles the supreme sovereign of holy writ, that scripture, than does a dim flickering candle to the glory of the midday sun. So he's saying our God, small g, is, is just nothing. It's a flickering candle to the sun. A coincidence of his words there, compared to God. Tozer puts it this way. He says it in his own language, basically, your brain will probably be starting to spin by now. You're struggling to comprehend stuff. But it's a mighty good cure for this cheap little God we have today. This cheap God we've made up is one that you can pal around with. The man upstairs, the fellow who helps you to win sports games. That God is not the God, he goes to capital G here, of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He isn't the God that laid the foundations of the heaven and earth. He's some other God. As I said before, what Tozer, Pink and Jenkins and many other like them that we're going to be looking at do is remind us that God, we are finite, we are limited, we are measurable. God is infinite, unlimited and immeasurable. He cannot be bound by anything, even time. He's rightly incomprehensible 
because we are bound. It says in one Revelation, verse 8, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. That means the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is and was and is to come. The Almighty, I am everything over all time. Nothing on earth, nothing in humanity is anything like him. There's no such thing. We use terms like this. There's no such thing as the boundless energy we use to describe our kids when we're actually hoping that boundless energy runs out at some point and they're going to go to sleep. So it's not boundless. It is bound. There's no such thing as infinite possibilities in our life. Even in creativity, we're limited by a number of colors that God has given us and how we might mix them and use our imagination. But it's not unlimited. There's no such thing as bottomless Coca-Cola, by the way bottomless refreshments that you get in TGI Fridays if we can still go there. The only thing that's bottomless and fully refreshing is the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as endless love as that song proclaims. Our love is conditional and actually it's in reality quite fickle. God's love and grace is unending, unlimited and unmerited and yet in the Trinity, in Jesus Christ, that shows how much God loves us it extends beyond our human capacity to love in the way that he does the creator god sends his one and only son to the cross perfect and blameless he sends his son to die for our sins for the sins of the whole world but let me ask you church family friends he sends his son to the cross to do what yes i'm shifting into the gospel i make no apology whatsoever Here we come back to the concerns of Tozer and Pink and others. Christ on the cross, dying for our sins, is not not an exit ticket only out of hell, but an entry ticket to the presence of God. So it's not only an exit ticket from hell, it's an entry ticket into the presence of God. In a world that barely recognizes sin anymore, the promise of freedom from it is not enough. And thankfully, that's not what the cross offers anyway. Christ's death on the cross is a gateway. One that God offers to come through and to come and know him. And yet often we take the offer and then we stand outside the gateway expecting only to go through it when we die at the end of life. We miss out on so much. I miss out on so much because of that. Tozer again, the church will come out of her doldrums when we find out that salvation is is not a light bulb only, that it is not an insurance policy against hell only, but that it is a gateway into God and that God is all that we would have or desire. Hallelujah. Let me kind of wrap this up. I want to give time for some response at the end here. So I've kept this quite short today. But let me wrap this up. Let me start by saying God, or reminding us, God cannot be measured. He cannot be fully understood. Scripture tells us that many times. You see them here. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Oh, Behold, these are but outskirts of his ways. We'll come across his ways many times in the weeks to come. And how a small a whisper do we hear from him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? That's from Job. If you want to read more scripture, I'd recommend um, reading Job 28. 
if you want to hear what happens when someone tries to understand God. But this does not mean that he is unknowable. In fact, we're encouraged to seek him for all eternity, for now and all eternity. In 17, uh, John 17.3, it says this, and this is eternal life. So not this life, but the one beyond as well. Uh, eternal life, to remind you, starts the moment you come to salvation, not when you die. So this is eternal life. That they know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It just means that he cannot be fully known. But no theologian, no good theologian at least, could claim they've ever scratched the surface and that we can know God entirely, but we can know him sufficiently. That's why a good theologian would tell you, the more I study, the less I realize I know. And I love that. God is not unknowable. We can see his creativity all over the world when we look outside at all over this planet. That's why Blue Planet, if you watch the show, just is, oh, we love it so much, don't we? You're like watching and thinking, whoa, look at all this stuff I didn't know existed. That's because God created it. There's so much that we can see that will cause us to wonder at his creativity. We can see his love displayed on the cross. We can see his patience as he tolerates our failings, giving us time and opportunity to find Christ. We can find him, of course, in the word of God. And by the Holy Spirit, this all becomes more than just general revelation. It's divine. There's something that God does with his word when the Holy Spirit helps us that transforms it from words on a page to something far more deep. We can search his ways and find out they're not our ways. We find that in scripture. We'll do a lot of that in this series. Once again, why is this important? Because without a sense of awe, wonder, and the realization that everything in all creation is at his hand, then what do we have to worship? What do we have to worship? There's, there's a challenge in that to, to re-energize, re-position God as holy, infinite, immeasurable, incomprehensible, that we can worship him. Let me... Let me just read from Jem Wilkins again. God is incomprehensible. This does not mean he is unknowable, but that he is unable to be fully known. It is the joyful duty, the delightful task of his children to spend their lives, both this one and the next, discovering who he is. We take pleasure in working to grow in our knowledge of him. So we can lift up our hands, lift up our heads, lift up our eyes, lift up our voices in worship. That he who is infinite and incomprehensible created us and loves us and has revealed himself to us and has sent his one and only son to save us. We rejoice that we are not here as a result of fate or chance. We are known to God, named by him. We're not numbers. We're not ants of no significance to him. We are known, we are loved by the creator of all things. Imagine opening your curtains tomorrow and, and as you open them or pull up the blind or whatever it is, you don't look out across a vista of Watford or wherever you live. You see the base of Mount Everest, clear as day, right there in front of your window. And you look up and it stretches 
beyond what you can see, but it's clear you can see it just goes up and up and up. Your mouth would drop open. I, I, I wager because I once saw the Rockies and I went, oh, a noise would come out. Not in my garden, by the way, not out of a window. I actually went to the Rockies. But when I saw them, I just, my, I couldn't contain what I needed to say and express. A word will come out of your mouth. This is how we're supposed to react when, and then some, when we consider, when we are confronted by who rolls the stars like marbles and yet is willing to have us draw close to him, pray to him, to hear from us. That should blow our minds. And I stand accused like most of us. My God is often not big enough. He's often, as, as some have criticized many in the past in history, your God is too human. My God sometimes is too human and insufficiently divine. I judge him, measure him against my expectations of him and my circumstances, what I'm going through. That the only expectation I should ever have of him is to be crushed for my self-centeredness and my sin. And yet he crushed his one and only son for me. Christ died for me. How can I not worship? Okay. Everyone just stay where you are. As I said, I wanted to make sure we had time to respond today. So we are setting up um, at the moment a way to do that. So stay where you are. And I mean, everybody, this, isn't, this is not uh, just a prayer time for those that uh, want specific prayer. We have two ways in which we'd like to, to, to carry on in this preach today and just be able to apply it. Firstly, if this preach has impacted you um, and you want someone to pray with you personally, uh, so sort of one-to-one or one-to-few. We have a breakout room that you can go into. Um, all you need to do, and that's for anything you want prayer for, by the way, not just particularly today's message. If you've got something else you want to be prayed for on a personal level, please type prayer into the chat window. You can type it to everyone if you don't mind, or you can type it to Christ first if you want to keep it private. Either way around, you type prayer now. Whilst I'm just going to go through the next thing, type prayer now, and we will make sure that you get into one of those prayer rooms. Okay, so I'm just going to leave a second for those of you to consider that. If you want prayer for anything on a personal level, whether it be related to this preach or something going on in your life, please type prayer in the prayer window now. Okay. And you can do that anytime while I'm talking, by the way, but I want to talk to everyone that's still with us. And I hope that's many of you. Um, I'm going to ask you, if you want to, to do what we would try and do physically sometimes in church, which was, if you want to respond to this, stand we we can't stand but there's something in that act of standing that says i am yes father see me i want this to be different i want to receive something today i'm asking you to join me in a big breakout room so i'll come out of this one and i'll go and take my laptop into another room and we will pray together in i will pray over you in that breakout room but i think there's an act that we need to to make that says i am in i want that so don't type just yet but I want to tell you we're going to have a slightly different expression here. But if you, if you know your worship with God is not where you want it to be, that his love, grace, mercy, his, his majesty is not blowing your mind and forcing worship out of your mouth, then all you have to do is type me in that chat window and I will come into that room and I will pray with, over us. So it will be quite brief. Quite brief. It won't be a long time of prayer because it, me and one other are going to pray over the people that turn up in that room. So type me into the chat window now and we will put you into that other room as well and that's for anyone who wants a brief prayer and then after that 
And while that's going on, things are going to get messy. I don't really mind. This is Zoom. This is a different situation. The rest of you who want to stay in this main room can have a chat. You can talk to one another and do whatever. But those of you who want to come into that room and have me pray for you, type me, please, into the chat window on the Zoom chat now. Me, just the words me. Then when that's all done and we'll see what happens, no doubt people will come back into this main room. And when they do, you can also join in with the chat. But we're going to go away for a few minutes and have those that want to be prayed for be prayed for in that main room. So I'm going to give you a moment to do that. So if you type prayer, you want to go for a personal prayer. If you type me, you want to come and join us in, a, in another room and we will pray over you that want to receive by the Holy Spirit a greater um, pouring of his Holy Spirit into you to, to enjoy him more, to be blown away by him more, to, to be taken aback by him more.